Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where it's the Halloween hangover episode. So we're going to be talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, Evil Dead, from 2013, directed by Fetty Alvarez. Yeah, it's a remake, folks. What do we think about it? You'll have to stay tuned later on in the episode to hear it. But first and foremost, we're joined by the bold and beautiful, the ghoul geek Keith. Fresh souls in my podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to Talking Terror. I'll rip your soul apart. Yes, you will. You're to find out why. Please. So, yes. So glad to have you back for this episode. I would personally episode. love my soul to be gaped. <laughs> sure, you usually have to pay double for that work. kind of action, Cotton. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. You know, they're like, hey, you want to gate my soul? They're like, fuck it, dude. Let's fucking go. I love being a deadite. Fucking great. <laughs> Just fucking hang out and fucking haunt people. Oh, fuck, he likes what it, is shit. <laughs> oh, fuck, he likes it. Oh, look at him smiling as we gape his soul. Stop smiling. <laughs> but I'm having a good time. Like, you guys are partiers. Like, who wants a beer? No. Give, stop give it. it to, give it to me, you evil Satan, mama. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, actually, can you go a little bit to the left? Oh, yep, that's it. Oh, yeah, get that vine up there. Oh, fuck yeah. That's good. You guys are the best. Stop enjoying this. You're supposed to be in hell. <laughs> well, I'm in heaven right now. Am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, we're also joined by the psychotic simian, the Prince of Amor's Day. Yes, get funky with a monkey. That's right, King. Even though the calendar may say that Halloween has come and gone, the spooky season is not over. Oh, no, fight fans, because as long as you listen to Talking Terror live every Wednesday night on blogtalkradio.com, we will always keep you in the know with horror news and spooky movie reviews in the Talking Terror fashion. But if you can't listen live, you can always listen to any of our many, many episodes on Blog Talk, Spotify, and iTunes. Just remember, horror hounds and gold geeks, to like and subscribe to Talking on Facebook and Instagram, baby. What's up, my family? Hi, What's up, monkey? Hi, dude. <laughs> and if you don't do any of those things, the dead ass will gape your asshole. I'm going to like oh, it. You guys so you might, might want to like those pages. <laughs> what you have to do. Because I'll open up that Get fucking book and be like, gape their souls. Like, dude, this Get some of that double dung much. action on that asshole. Which we'll talk about later. <laughs> I mean, there is the porno version of Evil Dead that you can watch online. I've seen it. It's fucking great. <laughs> Tommy oh, Pistol. Bullshit. Oh, yeah, there is. It's called Evil Head. Yeah, it's called Evil oh, Head. Oh, it came out a couple oh, years ago. Jo- Joanna Angel, uh, Tommy Pistol, among others. Yeah, it is fucking phenomenal. Like, if you want to find a fun porno, that wow. is Wow. 
Well, you know what the monkey's doing tonight. Oh, yeah. Not it's tonight. Evil but head. Definitely the, it's, it's definitely this weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, I know it's not hentai, but... Yeah. No, you can. There's places you can go. Most Damn you with them, your paywalls. Yeah. <laughs> no paywall can stop my dick from getting pleasure. Crash right through your paywall. Oh, it's his dick. He got through the paywall. I am horny and I will get through them. Damn it, this guy. Once his asshole gate by deadites is breaking through paywalls with his dick. That's right. That's why they call me the king. Holy shit. <laughs> That's what I'm known for. But, yeah. So I the, ain't the giving you no pedagogue for my porno. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess the dean, of course, is running fashionably late as usual. So, that's not a big deal. Uh, we'll catch up with him in a little bit when we get to harm. Are we going to have to mark him tardy again? If he, if he gets another tardy, we're going to have to give him a detention. <laughs> we're going to have to gape his asshole. That's what we're going to have to do. Oh, that's going to be open, is it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's just going to have to get an asshole gate by a dead eye. Thank God that came into play <laughs> after, because I was late last week. Oof. Yeah, see? No, I make <laughs> the mandate now, so you're safe. You're fine. <laughs> you know what I'm no excuse for the dean. But uh, So before he comes on and does all that, uh, I wanted to bring up something that the ghoul actually brought up in the group chat, because he had rewatched Halloween Ends, uh, and there's a scene in the cave where Michael lives and just eats people, and he noticed something about the stone that was in there when he was killing the ex-boyfriend of Allison. And what was that again? It was like his face in the stone, Michael's face? Well, there was like a, you know, you, you see, well, there's that sequence in which uh, Mulaney, I think the, the, the character's name mm-hmm. was, was, uh, yeah, Doug. was kind of like looking around. He was looking for uh, our, our boy. And, uh, you know, he, uh, not Michael, but, but Corey, and Corey, he came yeah. upon, like, this one wall, you know, you kind of even hear the, the officer say, like, what is that as he's shining the light on it? And, like, if you really pay attention to the scene, you see in the shadows off to his right, Michael kind of, like, crouched a little bit off to the side, uh, which is a really cool piece of framework. But what he's looking mm-hmm. at is, like, what looks like a superimposed face on the wall. Now, I know you read the novelization. You said there was, you know, mm-hmm. there was no mention of, of that in the, in the book, and it's clearly there. Like, I took a picture of it. You yeah. can clearly see yeah. that there is a face in the wall, <laughs> you know? So I don't know if it was like a drop storyline or if it was just something like we even discussed. Like maybe this is what he was doing with all these, you know, all the bodies that the, the, the bub guy said that he drags into there, and they don't come out. You know, I'm Michael Myers. I'm Michael Myers. Um <laughs> <laughs> that guy, uh, you know, but uh, but yes. Instead, you found uh, you found what might be the uh, the explanation for that. Yeah, um, I was watching this interview with uh, Paul Brad Logan, who wrote the novelization, and he was talking about being on set the entire time for all the movies, including Ends, and he was just kind of tapping away, writing the book at the same time. Uh, they had talked about possibly doing something with Halloween three. And there was talk about Stonehenge and stuff like that, but then they ended up throwing it away. Um, so he just kind of wrote over it and just didn't think about it again until he saw the movie. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of there. Like, Michael's mask is in stone. Um, that might have something to do with the Stonehenge angle, because if you remember Halloween 3, Connell Cochran, when he's defeated, turns into stone before he disappears. So it was one of those things where they were trying to make a connection to Halloween 3 that way, but 
just doesn't play out well in the movie because it's such a quick thing and they never go back to it. So, yeah, the author's like, yeah, I don't know. That was never really part of the plan, I think. <laughs> so, well, I don't know what I you're mean, talking about. The, like, you know. We can even take it as like an Easter egg, though, just like in Halloween Kills, the kids with the masks on. You know, and there's, there's oh, yeah. an, uh, a Halloween 3 nod without it being like, you know, completely ah. in your face, like, hey, here we are, look at Halloween 3. You know, it's the kind of thing that if you're paying attention and you know the series, you'll pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But we are also now joined by the, the Bobby Dean himself. Welcome to the show, Dean. Woohoo! And he is quite a butthole gaped. Oh, see, mm-hmm. yeah, he probably talking that, he right left. now, doesn't realize that he's muted yet, and he's like, yeah, I'm like, you know, blah, 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 And then he's going to come on and then he's going to be like, oh, my God, I was muted this whole time, and I was talking, and nobody heard a word I was saying. I was deep the entire time, and nobody heard me. I would never say such a thing. Nope. Because I log... I log into Blog Talk and have the studio open, and if I don't get unmuted, I take the liberties of unmuting myself. Thank you very much. Ah. Okay. Well, wow. Claws are out. Meow, meow. Meow. So, (laughs) I did want to ask, since I heard some, I was in and then I got got booted, but I'm back. I did want to ask, because I heard some of the last parts of uh, some Halloween discussion, what was the topic of that conversation? I just want to make sure that when we get into some other material, that I'll, I'll repeat what might have already been discussed. Uh, it was the ghoul finding him in the stone. So yeah, it was a uh, ghoul finding Michael's face in the stone and wondering about it. And then I found an interview with the writer of Halloween Ends as a novelization. And he basically said, yeah, that never really came up in conversation. They uh, never included it in the movie. I don't know why it's there. He's supposed to be crouching. It's a weird shot. I don't get it, but it's just not meant to be. So I was just putting a little of a connective tissue there as to why it was it's not right. supposed to be. Is it supposed to be? The author had no idea why. He's like, maybe it's a connection to Halloween 3, because they did talk about making connections to that movie, and then they just kind of dropped it. So that was it. Gotcha. All right, then. So we can move on, fresh-faced, and go right into horror news. Gene, um, you're here. Let's go. What are we talking I about? I am. All right. So since you were just talking about – uh, Halloween. I have some some Halloween stuff that I wanted to get into, and you know some of this news uh, might be uh, you know a couple of weeks old because remember I had a lot of stuff that went on the back burner uh, because of our our Halloween ends discussion last week. So um, mm-hmm. this is stuff that might have been shared, might have been talked about, but uh, not here on our show. But I, these are things that I felt were worthy uh, to discuss. So now is the time to bring that up. But first, uh, David Gordon Green. Uh, has made it clear that for Halloween Ends, uh, he never, he says, never considered making it a Laurie and Michael movie. Uh, That's He said, (laughs) when deciding how to wrap up these characters, um, they never once considered making a Laurie-Michael movie, uh, that the concept that it should be like a final showdown-type brawl never crossed their minds. Uh, They wanted to see where it would go. Like, obviously they knew that someone was going to win and someone was going to die, but they were always more ambitious with that uh, and that they wanted to do uh, what no one was going to expect them to do. Morris? It's their version of going out with a bang (laughs) and opening their hearts to this community and these characters. So maybe they should have had Michael. Well, you know what? 
Yeah. They really wanted to subvert expectations, you know, let Michael fucking kill Lori, let Michael kill Allison, let everybody like Empire, like Empire Strikes Back that shit, let everybody walk out of the theater, you know, fucking like, holy fuck, Fuck. 40 (laughs) fucking years, and he fucking killed her, you know, and then Michael, just like Thanos, in Endgame can sit down, farm weird spiked fruit, and be good to go on another planet. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's on Earth 2 now. That's where he spends the rest of his day. When, farming on Earth 2. When commenting yeah. on the backlash that Halloween End has received, uh, he said, uh, and I quote, it's funny, when someone says, build your dream house on this real estate using this title and these characters, everybody's going to find a different little thing that's meaningful for them, and they'll make it their own. That's what I did. For every bite of backlash, you also get people that are thanking you for taking it to a new place and keeping it alive and full of love. But he didn't really take it to anywhere new, though. That's the problem. (laughs) I think think what they're probably referring to is like the creation of the Corey character and and how that all played out as opposed to just like a straight Michael Myers stalking Laurie Strode whole movie kind of deal. That would just be my guess. Yeah, I can see that. Just, you know, wrong place to do it when you're wrapping up a a trilogy to all of a sudden introduce a new character and be like, well, he's here now, so we're going to go through his story. I mean, I I get why he did it, you know, and he wanted to do something different. Just, you know, I don't know. It would be like introducing Darth Vader in the final movie of Star Wars. You go through all these movies and all of a sudden it's like, hey, it's Darth Vader. Holy well, they shit, kind of he did, made a though. Star Wars instead, they, instead, they introduced the Emperor <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so, actually, so realistically, no, no. in that trilogy, they did introduce that was the Empire. bigger, badder guy. He, he was going to introduce an Empire. You only saw him in hologram form in Empire, and, but and he barely was, at he, that. But he was introduced. I'm just saying, though, they introduced it and showed that, you know, Darth Vader does have someone that he answers to, and it's the Emperor, and that was introduced in Empire. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay, fine. Well, you know, Corey was in the background in the hospital sequence. I'm only kidding. No, he wasn't. See, if that had actually been the case, like, you know, then we wouldn't be saying what we're saying. You know, if they were smarter and, yeah, yeah had actually written them and just a little spot something, you know, and be like, yeah, there he was. Oh, cool. ho, ho. He could have been at the hospital. That's a 45-minute mark. From, when the other guy from the institution jumped out the window and Corey could have, like, laid hands on him. And at that point, yeah. maybe a little bit of that psychosis went into him. Ah, mm-hmm. see? <laughs> something like that, just something. Give us a little tidbit. He's going to be coming up in the third one. You know, it would have worked out so much better because we've been like, oh, that's the guy from Kills. We only got to see him for a few minutes, but we, now we're going to follow him and see what he's doing now. But yeah, instead, Green's just like, here's a new character. Deal with it, fuckers. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm in. You know, let's just get through it. You know, and it's, it's fine. You know, and, and hopefully, you know, throughout the years, like the Dean had said, people will come back and talk about it, but I can't imagine ever talking about it again. You know, it's just, it, it, it happened. It is what it is. And now he's moving on to The Exorcist, where Pazuzu dies tonight. <laughs> oh, fuck. Because <laughs> you know that's going to happen at some point. Bunch of priests hanging outside Regan's house. Pazuzu dies tonight. Pazuzu dies tonight. It's like, oh, we're back here again? <laughs> All these fucking priests hanging out? 
<laughs> Rocking the ambulance back and forth. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, honestly, I think I'd love it if they did that. Just you know what? Go full ham. Let this be like his thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fucking, we'll whatever see. movie he makes, it's gonna have like a dies tonight type of type of situation. And then you know, part three, he'll introduce a brand new character for no reason. Hi, I'm Lisa. I moved in next door. Oh, wow, that's a devil girl. Hope I don't get possessed. And that's the third act, he gets possessed and killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where is it taking place? In Haddonfield? No, no, no. That's a town adjacent. We're in the Exorcist town now. <laughs> I just, I know I'm going to watch him. I know I am because I'm a sucker for punishment, but. Yeah, I just I don't know what he's planning on doing. But three, again, three movies? You really need three movies? No, you don't. Just one. Just give me one. Halloween 2018? Done. Exorcist rewatch? Done. Don't have to do fucking trilogies. I don't understand it. <laughs> I mean, Blumhouse giving him fucking, you know, carte blanche to do trilogies. Money! There's not enough story. <laughs> There's no story. <laughs> just like with, with Halloween 3. They're like, fuck it, Michael's dead. There's no story left. Let's do something different. Let's make an anthology series. It's going to be fucking great. And everybody's like, fucking, where's Michael Myers? Damn it. Well, no, they were doing something different, you assholes. They were trying to give you something different, and you fucking shit all over it. Now it's a beloved movie. But I don't see Halloween Ah. having that same feel. Halloween 3, though, is still a debatable movie, man. I would like... There are fans, but at the same time, there are still a lot of haters out there for Halloween 3 for all of the reasons that you literally just said. And I don't get it. I really don't. Like, he's not fucking showing up in this movie. He's not. It's a fucking original idea about a guy that wants to kill all the kids in the world with fucking haunted masks. That's fucking metal. Like, that's such a cool idea. I love it. I don't care that Michael's not here. You know, and even like we said last week about ends. I don't need Michael Myers in this fucking movie. You can make Corey the fucking killer of the entire movie. I'm happy with that. But instead, it's like, yeah, but we kind of have to throw Michael in there because we're wrapping up a story. It's like, pick one. Pick a lane. Pick a lane that you want to choose and go with it. Don't, don't pick both. You can't go down a highway and just decide, I'm going to go north and south. can't do that. you got to go fucking one direction. You can't just decide, I'm going to go one way and go another. You just can't. You know, give me, yeah, I don't know. Undertaker, CM Punk. <laughs> I was so mad at that kid. Pick one. You can't do both. You're going to be disappointed by whoever loses and whoever wins. Like, just pick one. But no, that's what I felt about it. Show Corey, you know, at some point in Halloween Kills, show him touch Michael's body or something like that, and all of a sudden he's like, well, fuck, I'm, like, possessing shit. And then have him be the killer in Halloween Ends. I would have preferred it that way. Because watching a 75-year-old Michael Myers get his ass kicked by fucking everybody, just, it wasn't appealing. He's supposed to be the ultimate evil. Like, he killed an entire firefighter squad. Why are we doing this? Why are you hurting us so much? <laughs> Show him get his ass beat by everybody. And, and a lady with an iron. He kicked her ass. <laughs> oh, he killed her. Yeah, he killed her real quick. But, yeah, moving on from that, uh, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, also in the David Gordon Green world of uh, Halloween ends and Halloween in general, we know that in Halloween Kills, uh, he mm-hmm. paid tribute to Halloween uh, 3 season of The Witch by featuring the jack-o'-lantern skull and witch masks from the Silver Shamrock uh, uh, company. 
Yeah. And he said that uh, it was originally written uh, for a more direct tie-in for Halloween Ends. That uh, first they decided to not use the orange, but use the same blue uh, color and font that was used in Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. But uh, to tie it together more directly, he said there was going to be an ending uh, that they wrote but never filmed where it was going to fade over to the silver shamrock factory where you saw the factory line spitting out the masks of the witch, the skeleton, and jack-o'-lanterns, but was also going to be spitting out uh, a Michael Myers mask as well. Uh, They said they wrote that, but at the end of the day, they considered it to be uh, too much fan service for people who knew what knew know what Silver Shamrock was. Uh, that would have been cool. Every draft, they said it was in every draft of the script that that was ever been published, but they never filmed it. Huh. That would have been cool. That would have been fucking bizarre. Of all of a sudden, you see the Silver Shamrock fucking logo, and all of a sudden, like, what? What? Where are we? <laughs> what are we? We're in another movie now. Did we just go into a remake of Halloween? I would have been so confused. I would have been like, why? This isn't necessary. Just give us the fucking end that you did, and then let's move on. Oh, my God, I would have been so fucking frustrated. <laughs> Again, I was you can't have North and South at the same time, guys. I was trying to figure, like, trying to figure out, like, were they, were they trying to intimate that, like, because, again, Halloween 3 takes place in, you know, the quote-unquote real world, because we know in that world Halloween is a fictionalized story because they're watching it on television. Right. Um so if they faded into the Silver Shamrock making the mask, are they saying that Halloween is still fictionalized and that this company is just making masks of, like, horror movie icons? Seems that way. Uh, like they they're producing Michael Myers. Myers. I don't know what their, what their motive was. I mean, we you just, know, oh, where was oh, the... Are we just reading yeah. into it way too deep and taking all the fun out of it? You know, we probably are. That's, <laughs> that, that's possible also. It's just, you know, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a cool concept, but at the same time, I can't imagine a Michael Myers mask with a silver shamrock pin on the back. It's like, what, what the fuck is that? Like, that's, that's not, no. <laughs> Mass-produced? The fucking mask he found in 78, and he put it on. Like, it's on the silver shamrock mask. Because they would have, you know what, they probably would have went into that whole storyline of that's how he got evil. Because he put on the silver shamrock mask for some reason. Which is the opposite of what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to kill kids. Like that movie fucking rules. I don't Michael Myers doesn't need to be in that movie. It's got fucking Tom Atkins. And he's just banging some young strains and he's trying to investigate these masks. It's such a perfect movie. <laughs> well, because he could get that trim and he knows that he can't. I mean, his kid yeah. would come play with us and he's like, I'd rather drink and plow this chick. Do you guys mind? And they're like, no. <laughs> you know, off on an adventure I go. <laughs> God, that movie is so good. I could watch that anytime and just and love it for what it is. I know people hate it because Michael didn't show up. And that's the thing. They shouldn't have put the three on it. Like, I always said that. Like, if they had just called it Halloween semicolon season of the witch, I would have been more okay with it. But when you put yeah. the three on there, you're kind of expecting a continuation. You know, you expect... Yeah to see more of Haddonfield and more of the town. But if they had originally, like I had said, do that anthology that John Carpenter wanted, just call it Halloween, semicolon, season of the witch. Done. Can't get any haters. You still will. 
because there's yeah, no Michael Myers. Yeah, but I think, you know what, though? You, you, you're not taking into account the time the time that the movie came out. Movies with subtitles Bingo. weren't a thing. Everything was all about the number, you know? Jaws 3, Amityville, well, that was Jaws 3D, Amityville 3D. We're lucky we didn't get mm-hmm. freaking Halloween 3D. Right, of the way. part three in 3D. 3D. <laughs> yeah, well, Halloween 2 was supposed to be in 3D. That was the original plan. Uh, back in 81, they were going to make it in 3D and have it take place in a high-rise where Michael was stalking Laurie years after the event of 78. So, yeah, there were plans. Oh, wow, that... Luckily, they didn't do it. Oh, Late, man. Later made it to Poltergeist oh, 3? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Somebody saw that script and was like, you know what, Poltergeist 3. We got a movie, folks, and it's the worst of them all. <laughs> Enjoy part three. Which is just Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen desperately trying to act in a movie. <laughs> yeah, that movie was on the other day. I was like, it still sucks. Like, part two yep. was not great, but part three was just tough shit. And this is how poor Heather O'Rourke is going to go out in this fucking movie? Oh, I felt so bad. Like, oh, so, she was so good in those movies, and to have part three, you just be a mess. Like, you know... Craig T. Nelson's like, I don't want to come back. Joe Beth Williams is like, I'm not good either. I don't want to come back. Well, fuck. All right, let's go to Chicago and introduce uh, the aunt and uncle. And they're going to live in a high-rise with a bunch of mirrors. But Zelda Rubenstein, are you available? Yes. Okay, we got a fucking movie. We got Zelda. We got Zelda. That's <laughs> all we need. All we need is her little action, and it's going to be great. You know, this apartment building is clear. Uh, little, little action. I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, Dean. What else are we talking about? Up to uh, the staying, moving, moving, uh, top that. Uh, moving out of, <laughs> moving out of Haddonfield, but staying within the realm of David Gordon Green. Uh, he, David mm. Gordon Green, has announced that for the upcoming. Exorcist trilogy, uh, they said that uh, they have not, nor will they be seeking out uh, any advice from original Exorcist director uh, William Friedkin. Uh, movie, maker, oh, movie maker had asked David Gordon Green if William Friedkin would have any role in the new Exorcist trilogy, like John Carpenter did in the Halloween trilogy. And Green had said that uh, he won't. He said for this particular journey, uh, they picked Ellen Burstyn to be their spiritual guru. Uh, He said that uh, he's not leaning into what Freakin' did, but is going deep into who Chris McNeil is and what she brought to the table. Uh, He said that, um, you know, uh, Freakin's not involved in this. If he's as good as John Carpenter at making music, we'll get him to do a song in the movie. Um, He said... Uh, Fuck you, Green. Wow. Seriously. They, <laughs> Fuck you. They did say, they did say that uh, they did go on to say that it would be unlikely that Freakin would want to be involved with any Exorcist movies. Uh, he, they said that Freakin has admittedly never watched any of the Exorcist sequels, not even Exorcist 3, which was written and directed by his good friend and Exorcist author and screenwriter William Peter Blatty. Um, so there will be no involvement uh, from uh, William Freakin when it comes to uh, this Exorcist trilogy, with the first one uh, already coming less than a year from now, in October 13th, uh, 2023. 
Um, so is, is Linda Blair going to be attached to this at all? Do you know that? So I don't remember hearing left, about her being involved at all. No, the left, so the last that came up when this was all announced, and then not long after the initial announcement was, mm-hmm. and I'm just going off of memory here, but I have a theory. Um, uh, after the in- initial announcement of this project, it was announced that Ellen Burstyn uh, was going to be uh, reprising her role. Uh, and if I remember correctly, the loose plot details uh, was that a parent of a child that was going through uh, similar types of problems, like seeks out uh, Ellen Burstyn's character uh, for advice or for what to do, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when mm. all the hoopla was going on about this, of course, the biggest question on everyone's mind was, was Linda Blair going to be involved? And uh, Linda Blair was contacted, and her statement was that uh, she was, uh, you know, she was contacted uh, to be told that this was going on because they didn't want this to be something that she opens up like a movie news website one day and it's staring her in the face that they did let her know it was happening. Uh, but she said that she was uh, not asked to participate. Um, she, she didn't say that they said that, they, that she was not going to be in it, but she said she was not asked. My theory is that somehow she's going to be in there and they're just keeping that super under wraps. I mean, She's still out there. Like, how are you going to not have Linda fucking Blair? Like, whether it's not the first one or because it's going to be a trilogy, but I just, I can't fathom uh, that this is going to go on without Linda Blair in some capacity, in some way. You know, I just, mm-hmm. given, given all the little things that David Gordon Green did uh, throughout the Halloween movies with, uh, you know, giving parts to, to, to actors and actresses that were in the original films, uh, I just, and how... Uh, synonymous Linda Blair is with with that role, um, you know one of the most iconic performances in the in the in the whole realm of horror movies and movies in general. Uh, I just I can't fathom that these three movies are going to come and go without any Linda Blair involvement. So it would be my guess that she will be there in some point, but she's not in the cast list. Uh, it's never been said that that she's going to be there, but I I can't see it not happening. Right. I mean, but also, like, that's pretty fucking cold for them to do that to her like that. Like, just call her up like, hey, Linda, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, so, hey, anyway, we're going to be making an Exorcist trilogy. You're not going to be involved. Uh, we just kind of want to let you know that it's happening. Uh, so just have a good one, all right? Like, you know, keep it cool. All right, thanks. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back and, uh, you know, hang out, I guess. Yeah, no, that's cool. Hang out, hang out, because we don't need you. We got Ellen Burstyn. That's a star. Oh, okay. Well, if you need me, I'll be here. No, 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 we know, we know, we know. Just have a good day, Linda. Okay. <laughs> so weird. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, it, like the dean said, maybe she'll show up in a kind of surprise role. I just can't wait for David Gordon Green's Poltergeist trilogy. It's going to come out right after Exorcist. Because Blumhouse what? is going to give that property to him, too. <laughs> Coming soon, David Gordon Green's Poltergeist. Where we're not going to show anything until the third movie. It's going to be a build-up. The TV dies tonight. Wow, he's bringing it back. (laughs) Oh, I just, yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, yeah, good luck to it. But all right, anyways, uh, moving on, Dean, what are we talking about? Uh, We are talking about how it's been announced that... (laughs) The shutter, uh, 
the Shutter uh, VHS uh, 99 mm-hmm. has is the highest rated uh, movie that's ever been streamed on Shutter. In fact, over its release weekend, uh, they said that 28% of their uh, streams on both Shutter and AMC Plus, which I learned if you're a member of AMC Plus, uh, you have access to the Shutter library. Uh, that's something mm-hmm. like 20, 22% of all streams over this Halloween weekend uh, was um, for uh, VHS 99, which overtook the record, uh, which was previously held by uh, the last installment of VHS, VHS uh, 94, which was the uh, revitalization of the franchise within Shudder. So, mm-hmm. sorry, 22% on all of all on-demand streams on Shudder during the same period, and it was also AMC Plus's uh, most watched movie over the weekend. So, uh, Shudder is saying that by every metric, uh, VHS 99 has been a wild success uh, with subscribers watching in record numbers and debating with each other on social media about uh, which segment of the anthology was their favorite. And this makes them super excited with their revival uh, that continues to be embraced by audiences. And they're looking forward to next year uh, when they deliver VHS 85. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. <clears throat> yeah, I saw it when it first dropped on Shutter, VHS 99, and I fell in love with it. I think I liked it more than 94. I even showed the monkey uh, the opening segment, um, shredding about the uh, the zombie band. You know, I just wanted him to get a feel for VHS. <laughs> I had him watch it, and he didn't seem disappointed. So I hope he watches the rest of it one day, finds a way to stream it. Indeed. <laughs> I uh, I still have yet to watch any of the uh, the VHS movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like I have always said, they're just fun movies to put on if you're just looking for something to watch just because they, they're not particularly scary, uh, but they can be gory in parts. Uh, I would say avoid VHS Viral, uh, which is the third one. So just stick to VHS, VHS 2, and then uh, 94, 99, and you'll be fine. But they're, they're fun little VHS movies. I love how they adjust the tracking to make it seem like you're actually watching a tape. You know, I love when people go that far. They kind of really make you feel like you're doing something in the VHS era, which is uh, sadly gone. But um, I'm excited to see that it's got those numbers. Um, and Argento's Dark Glasses is now officially on Shutter, as of the 16th of last month. And I've watched it maybe four times now. So, yeah, I'm kind of a fan. Wow. This is the Argento back behind <laughs> the director's chair. Uh, so that might be a pick one day. Who knows? Um, but, knows? yeah, I'm just excited to see Argento back uh, behind the director's seat for Dark Glasses. And he has another project that he's going to be coming out with next year. So Argento is one of those guys where I'm just so glad to see him just not stopping directing. You know, I mean, his 70s work was the best, but it's just great to see him back and making giallos again. Like, just give him the money. Let him make giallos. giallos. I'll be happy. But <laughs> all right. So anyway, moving on, Dean, what are we talking about? So uh, as you all know, back in February of this year, I was able to – uh, make a pilgrimage out to a um, a famous little gas station in the middle of nowhere, Texas, mm-hmm. in West Rock, Texas. That's right. Uh, and check out the original gas station from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And what I was not able to fit in, although I did all of the mapping and tried to see when, if there was going to be a possibility to make it work, I unfortunately was not going to be able to go and check out uh, the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. 
uh, that mm-hmm. was not going to be that was not going to be workable in my trip. Uh, so the house was sold uh, back in the '90s, and it was moved from its original location in Round Rock, Texas, 60 miles away to Kingsland, Texas, uh, where it was turned into a cafe and bar, uh, which sits on the grounds of a hotel called the Antlers Hotel. Uh, over the years, Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan events have taken place at the house, uh, but what is being reported is that uh, the house has been sold again, and as of this time, its future is uncertain. Uh, original Texas Chainsaw Massacre cast member Alan Danziger, who played Jerry in the original film, uh, said that they just held uh, on October 29th a final event there called The Last Curtain Call for Chainsaw, uh, which included uh, a screening of the film, photos with fans, autograph signings, and some live music. Uh, Danziger was there, as well as Edwin Neal, who played the hitchhiker. Um, and uh, they were able to hold that event. So uh, the house has been sold, and at this time, nobody knows what is going to happen uh, to the original house from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <clears throat> That's sad, you know, to see it uh, go away. Because these new owners can do whatever they want with it. You know, they don't have to, to respect anything about Texas Chainsaw. They could just use it as a house or a bed and breakfast and completely ignore it. You, you hope that they don't. You kind of hope that they keep that spirit alive and keep the, you know, that house a, a historic filmmaking site. But we'll see, you know. But it was good that they had that event, you know, because if it's over, it's over, you know, and they have that event for fans. And I really do appreciate that. So let's just hope that these new owners kind of have the same respect for it. Shame that you didn't get to see it. Because I would have loved to have seen some pictures of it uh, when you were on your trip in Texas. Yeah, man, I, I'm serious. Like, I, I took some time and I sat down and looked at the days and the times and the map and, and Google Maps and directions, and it just uh, it just wasn't just wasn't in the cards that time around, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I really, truly uh, wanted to make it work. I really, really, really did, but um, it was uh, it yeah. just wasn't able to happen. That's a shame, but, you know, hopefully, like I said, they, they keep it up, they keep it going, they don't change the facade at all, they just keep it the way it is and just do whatever they want with it. Maybe you could just drive by, you know, and take a picture of it, you know, like a lot of the yes. sites. They don't, don't let you on the property. Like the, the remake Texas Chainsaw House, it still stands, but you can't go anywhere near that property. Like, you have to be a real quick on the side of the road, take a picture and go, because it's a very, very <laughs> private property. So, oh, yeah, they say you know, they, they don't fuck reason. around. That's in, like, that's in, like, middle of nowhere uh, Texas, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I had did some reading because, like, some of the things that I looked up online back at the time, if I remember correctly, were like a little unclear about which house was which and whatnot. But uh, for the one that you're talking about, apparently there's even signs that's like, if you even set foot on the property, like bullets will fly. Like they don't fuck around yep. out there. Um, that's like don't welcome don't to Texas. Any, any closer from the center <laughs> of the road and snap your fucking picture and, and be on your fucking way, like. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't fuck around. No, they don't. They are, they are, they're dead serious about you not being there. So, yeah, take your picture and go. I mean, I've seen people go there and take pictures, but it's a very quick, like, far away in the middle of the field across from it. You know, that's the house. Okay, got to go. You don't want to get killed. So, you know, that's Texas. <laughs> don't fuck with Texas. <laughs> but, all right, <laughs> moving on. What else are we talking about? So, uh, The Beyond, 1981. Uh, full film. Uh, 41 years after uh, The Beyond was released and became a classic within the genre, um, a new version is about to make its way, well, it has started making its way across the United States. 
And this new version is called the Beyond, the Composer's Cut, because it features a brand new score composed by Fabio Fritti, who also yeah. composed the movie's original score. Uh, so uh, this cut, uh, this composer's cut pairs the new score with a new 4K presentation, uh, newly scanned from the original camera to negatives, and uh, Grindhouse releasing is taking on the film on a tour uh, through the rest of the year, uh, where it will be showing mostly in Alamo Drafthouse theaters all across the country, as well as some others. Uh, it started, it started uh, screenings on October 25th, makes its way around the United States, and wraps up uh, in December 15th and 16th. And it says that Fulci fans will want to see this on the big screen for maximum impact. It's the best the movie has ever looked, and it's a whole new experience in terror with the new score. Uh, they said that uh, you're used to having theatrical cuts and director's cuts, but nobody ever dared to conceive and perform a movie version following the musician's point of view. A new score for a cult classic realized in a modern way, almost in the new Hollywood style with very few moments of silence, but with great respect for its original identity. A true expanded version of itself realized through renewed skill and mastery with the important ally of 35 years of added proficiency. So, uh, you know, if that sounds interesting to you, once again, it's playing all around the country, uh, all the way through December 15th and 16th, where it wraps up in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, it's great. I would love to see it, but it's not playing anywhere near me. So not anywhere close where I'd want to travel to. So I'm going to have to miss out on it. I have the Blu-ray. So I'll just watch the classic Blu-ray, you know, and just kind of imagine being there, seeing the composer. I mean, I've always wanted to have you a free scene, so that would be really cool. Yeah. I feel that, um, yeah, I'm looking, I have actually have the dates uh, pulled up here in front of me. <laughs> uh, I feel that at some point this will be, this will have to be some kind of special box set release, right? Like, I don't feel like they're just going to oh, yeah. show this thing a few times in the theater and not put it out. Like, you'll get a chance to see it, I would imagine, at some point. You know, I would have to imagine Grindhouse releasing is going to have a cut. They're going to make, like, a Blu-ray or a 4K with that composer's cut yeah. available. I, I, yeah, like, I can't imagine them not wanting to make money off of it. They could. You know, so hopefully they do that. I can watch it that way because that is Fulci's classic. I mean, I don't like it as much as New York Ripper. New York Ripper is still my favorite Fulci, but Beyond is just, it's perfect. It's a fantastic movie. And to see them doing that with the score, you know, and composing a whole new score for it. Yeah, if you're a fan of Fulci and it's around playing where you are, I mean, I would say go check it out. You know, but it might be like the Dawn of the Dead 3D where it's just nowhere near me. And I just have to imagine I was there. <laughs> on that note, on that yeah. note, King, uh, I just hmm. read that uh, with Monday, the 31st, uh, was supposed to be the last of the run, uh, the Dawn of the Dead 3D experience, due to unprecedented demand, uh, has been extended uh, through November 10th. Uh, so nice. cinemas will continue to show uh, Dawn of the Dead. They've said that it's been a great success, more than they thought it was going to be. So they've extended it for an additional 10 days. Um, that's another one where uh, it's playing at the same theater, the Regal Theater that I had to go to to see Halloween 1978. And I was looking at the calendar and was maybe going to be able to make it work uh, one of the days next week. But on the website for that particular theater, uh, they only have showings on uh, this week on the 4th, 5th, and 6th. Uh, so I don't know mm. if they're going to have it beyond then at that particular theater. 
Uh, but of the regals close to me, that's the only one uh, that, that has it. So um, I'm, I really do hope to get a chance to see it, uh, even if it wasn't 3D, just a chance to get to see it on the big screen. Uh, I have enjoyed these, uh, you know, these experiences getting to see some of these older movies that I love uh, on the big screen, uh, Halloween and Jaws. And when I saw uh, Rad, the BMX movie from the 80s last year, uh, or, or sorry, earlier this year over the summer, um, you know, I just, I, I think it's just really cool that there's been all of these opportunities and, uh, you know, Dawn of the Dead I've never seen uh, on the big screen in any fashion. So uh, this 3D sounds cool, but it, it, if it sticks to the 4th, 5th, and 6th, uh, I, I will be, unfortunately, not having the ability to, to see it this time around. It's unfortunate, but it's also good to see if they're extending the dates. So it was that successful when they had to extend it. Yes. So I'm kind of happy about that. You know, I might not be able to see it on the big screen, but the fact that it has extended dates means that people are fucking going. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Keep Romero's, you know, memory alive. Go see Dawn of the Dead in the theater if you can. You know, that's amazing. But all right, Dean, moving on. What's next? Uh, also in the theaters, we know that uh, back on October 6th, uh, Damien Leone's Terrifier 2. Uh, was released to the domestic box office in limited theaters, and it racked up in that initial run leading up to this past weekend over $5 million, which they're calling a huge accomplishment for an unrated indie movie. And uh, at the end of last week, uh, they actually, due to, there's been a lot, like, in in the mainstream, uh, there's been a lot of Mm -hmm. word of mouth about it, uh, saying it's, you know, it's one of those, oh my God, people are going to see this horror movie and throwing up in the aisle, you know, it's like, has that kind of hysteria around it. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, like the mainstream media, I'm sure not amongst us horror fans, but someone who's like, oh, I'm going to see this uh, this Terrifier 2, and uh, they say you're going to throw up. Uh, they bumped it up to over 1,000 screens nationwide this past weekend, and when all was wow. done domestically, uh, they pulled in over $8 million uh, theatrically, uh, with Terrifier 2. Now, I don't know what the budget is, but I'm going to assume that the $8 million represented a nice little profit. Um, yeah. But on this past Monday, uh, it has moved over exclusively uh, to the Screenbox uh, service for streaming online. So uh, Screenbox, it does have a, uh, for those that are interested in seeing it, there's like a free trial as like a Screenbox Amazon channel. Uh, there's a free seven-day trial, and there's also uh, you can also subscribe to the Screenbox service. I have not looked up the Screenbox service, what it is. I'm going to imagine it's like a Shutter kind of uh, horror streaming service. I, I might be wrong about that, but uh, that is the exclusive home for Terrifier 2 at this time. So uh, they're thrilled with the business that it is currently doing. It's great. It is. I mean, I, I love that. You know, I mean, I'm not a fan of Terrifier. I have no plans on seeing Terrifier Part 2, but I just love the fact that it's fucking making money, that people are going out and seeing it, and it's raising up the level of independent cinema that's uncut in the theater. I think that's fantastic, you know, that people are going out and seeing this movie, and and the hype around it, people are passing out, people are vomiting. Like, that's like 70s grindhouse hype. I love that. Like, that's like (laughs) excessive hype. Not even grindhouse. Because it's the season for these kinds of stories, all those stories... Uh, just hit the mm-hmm. rounds again about, you know, with the footage from people online or like coming out of viewing The Exorcist for the first time and all green in the face right. and throwing up and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so, 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 yeah, it had that kind of buzz. Like I saw, 
I saw several stories of like you know main like stupid mainstream entertainment magazines that were like the horror movie that is that is causing filmgoers to be running from the theater throwing up. I'm like I'm like oh right of course you know of course that's happening. Uh, you know for people like us you know we'll be seeing that shit and laughing our asses off. But I guess if you're not into it, yeah. you're just going to see it because of the buzz. Like maybe that is something that would cause you to fucking vomit if this isn't the kind of stuff you watch on a regular basis or ever at all. But I thought it was kind of funny. And of course, that's, is that's Terrifier. Terrifier Two features uh, appearances by um, you know horror genre uh, alumni and legends such as Felissa Rose, she of uh, Sleepaway Camp, as well as Talking Terror uh, interview alumni uh, Tamara, Tamara Glenn appears in Terrifier Two yes. as well. So uh, that's what's going on in the world of Art the Cloud. Okay. Yeah, I got a I got Someone a coworker who went and saw it, and, uh, okay. and yes, basically his uh, his his mini non spoiler review was uh, is it is a, a a messy movie, literally, um, but mm. just similar to the to the original. You're you're don't don't go looking for any kind of plot, um, but, <laughs> but that when it does get fun. It gets it gets fun, so uh, I'm gonna check it out. You know, again the the original I might not like it uh, all that much, but that song and half scene is something that like you know I don't know it's, it's awesome it's those kind of it's those kind yeah. of things exactly you know as a fucking like horror fan and as like a gore fan those are the kind of like moments that you want you know that that that's kind of what you hope to achieve when you see these things that you hope to achieve it with maybe somewhat better of a of a of an overarching story or a better character yeah you kind of do but the fact that they were even able to pull it off in the first place i i'm there for it i i am absolutely there for it so so what's next dean uh so coming next uh back in september uh, Lionsgate had announced that they were uh, going to be working on a remake uh, directed by Rennie Harlan uh, of Reboot. the 2008 film The Strangers, but not mm-hmm. only uh, were they going to be doing a remake of The Strangers, it was going to be a remake trilogy, uh, a three-installment trilogy of the 2008 film The Strangers somehow, and uh, they announced back in September upon the announcement that the first film had started filming, but now it's being reported that filming has actually wrapped on all three films. Uh, so oh, quick. if you are into The Strangers, uh, they did, yes, that was super quick of uh, them, uh, you know, super wrapping quick. that up and, uh, you know, getting that together. I don't. I feel like I missed that. I don't recall uh, that, that piece of news. Well, I do remember they were saying that they were filming them back to back to back. Um, they were just doing all of them at the same time, you know, with different directors. Belly to belly which to I thought belly. was just, it was so interesting, though, because <laughs> you're doing three movies with three different directors, three different sets of writers all at the same time. I was like, that is kind of fucking cool. <laughs> like, you're getting a trilogy, but they're all differently written. They're all differently directed. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it, how they release it. Are they just going to release it straight to DVD and Blu-ray? Or are they going to release it theatrically? Like, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. I'd like to see it theatrically, but... You know, we'll see, especially with a trilogy like that, where it's just, it's all in the can, it's done. You know, you, you could have a lot of ways of releasing it. Or just dump it all in January, be done with it. Like they do with a lot of these movies that they don't think are going to make any money, but I think it will. 
But all right, uh, moving on from the strangers. What else are we talking about, Z? Uh We had gotten all this word uh, just this week uh, that the news that uh, Hannibal creator Brian Fuller uh, is there teaming up go. with Victor Miller and Rob Barthemian, uh and A24 and the Peacock streaming service to bring a Friday the 13th TV series called <laughs> Crystal Lake. Uh, Sangoria nice. uh, caught up with Fuller uh, to see what he was able to say about the show at this point, and he couldn't say a lot. Uh, but what he did confirm is that uh, they are describing this show as uh, not just a prequel, but his this interesting word because we have remakes and prequels and reboots and all of this terminology. Uh, but he's describing mm-hmm. the show as a pre-remake uh whatever that means. Wow. And he was able <laughs> to confirm and, uh, that they are uh, they can use anything they want from the entire Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, yeah. He said as far as right rights. As far as the rights situation is concerned, he says we can use everything. We can go to hell. We can go to space. He says that's not to say we will do those things. Uh, he said that uh, Mark Toberoff, who is Victor Miller's lawyer, uh, A24 and Mark Toberoff, who is Victor Miller's lawyer, have beautifully and excruciatingly assembled all of the Friday the 13th rights. As a streaming series, they have the rights to do everything underneath the Friday the 13th umbrella, because it's not a movie. Oh. He says the movie rights are a completely oh, different thing wow. that are the movie rights Ripple. are a completely different thing that are tied up in new line and are super, super messy and probably won't be untangled anytime soon. But as far as the television industry, they have access to anything and everything that Friday the thirteenth has done up until this point. Uh yeah, they do. Which, Oh, which yeah. then I guess cool. also would lend towards them having what the rights towards the remake to them. Yes. Yep. Uh, okay. He said. Yeah. Uh, Fuller said he couldn't say how far back in the Voorhees timeline the show will be going, uh, but he did say that Jason will be in the show. Uh, he said over the course of the series you'll see many familiar manifestations of Jason. He also said. Uh, that Peacock has given them a full season commitment with a penalty if they don't do a season two. So it's basically a two-season wow. commitment. Uh, he said that thinking ahead, they have already mapped out three seasons of the show. And he said, much like Hannibal, the show will have a distinctive look. And he did say that they will also have roughly five times the per-episode budget that Hannibal had. Uh, he said nice. uh, the Crystal Lake series will uh, be appropriately murderous, probably dropping bodies every episode. Uh, so <laughs> that was all uh, that he had to say or could say at this time as far as a Friday the 13th TV series. I mean, that's the, the best loophole that you could find is instead of making it a movie, make it a series. And uh, Rob, who works for Horror Inc., that's Sean S. Cunningham's company. So he's producing it along with Victor Miller. So obviously there had to have been some kind of a handshake back, you know, behind curtains between <clears throat> Cunningham and Miller to make this happen. Like they both want to have fans be happy. And I'm hoping that's what happened. You know, they both just kind of said, you know, let's give the fans what they want. You know, they want Jason. They want Friday the 13th. You know, let's just do it as a series. And we could all just go home happy and make some money. You know, so I'm hoping that's what it was because – we're going to be seeing Jason. We're going to be seeing Pamela, you know, so 
I'm excited for it. I really am, especially knowing now that they're dedicated to doing at least three. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm hoping that it's going to be a wild <clears throat> ride with new stories and a Jason and, and all that. So, yeah, I, when I heard that Dude, news, that is, finally done. That is very cool about that fucking loophole, man. It's like, uh, see, because I didn't realize it was going to be all that. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dean. Like, I thought it was going to be yeah. straight up, you know, you know, prequel, you know, beforehand, leading up to, you know, Pamela, where he's, you know, going nuts and, you know, having a wee Jason running about. But it's very cool to hear that they can dip into wherever they want. And with three seasons, yeah, you can do so, you can have so much fun. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. And, you know. and being on Peacock, you don't have to censor yourself too much. You can just be as free as you want with the blood and the gore and the nudity. So, you know, looking forward to that, <clears throat> where they don't have to restrict themselves to NBC or some other uh, network. Or like, you can't do that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, looking forward to it. That's big news, and I think we could all be happy that we're going to see Jason again. He's been gone too long. Yeah. You know, Michael had a time now for Jason. And truly, that um, what TV series are able to do in this modern age in the world of that, you know, I would not think that, oh, because it's TV, that it's going to be able to, it's going to have to shy away from uh, the level of violence that we've become accustomed to uh, in so many different things, even since the last time we saw Jason on the big screen in 2009. So um, I would imagine that the level of violence and and stuff will be exactly what we would hope for, uh, something falling under the Friday the 13th umbrella, uh, as they as they put it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, we're all kind of excited for it, so we'll see what develops. I mean, and with A24 behind it, that kind of adds a little bit of class, too. It's A24, you know, they've, they've put out some good movies. So I'm kind of excited to see oh, it go into series mode, the television. The volume of releases from that company is just uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Like, they, like, it's like every yeah. other movie that comes out is an A24 movie. <laughs> Yeah, they're just cranking them out. I know on the digital end, it's always either A24 or it's fucking Magnet, you know? And, like, I don't know, (laughs) again, the the majority of those fucking films, as far as, like, quality goes, it just looks like like it's it's almost, like, automatic now. When I see Magnet films to start, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm already tuned out. It's going to be a low-res movie. (laughs) But, yeah, Magnet is Blumhouse, and it's uh, A24. Like, they're the three companies that are just constantly cranking out movies, you know, making sure that you get to see them. So, yeah, let's we'll see what happens with Friday the 13th, the Crystal Lake series. Uh, but what else do you have, Dean? So, uh, starring in one of the most well-known and renowned movies in all of horror, uh, and I'm talking about uh, Shining, uh, mm-hmm. Shelley Paul, who... Has, is now 73 years old and has not appeared in a film in uh, 20 years. Uh, she had officially retired from acting uh, following a 2002 comedy called Mana from Heaven. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been announced that Shelley Duvall is returning to the horror genre and is going to be appearing in a werewolf film called The Forest Hills a horror movie written and directed by Scott Goldberg, who has primarily directed shorts and documentaries. 
this movie uh, is also going to be starring Edward Furlong and Steve Wallace, uh, who happened to star in one of the greatest werewolf, werewolf movies ever, Joe Dante's The Howling. Uh, so Shelley Duvall, uh, you know, returning not only to film, but to the horror genre uh, at 73 years old. We'll see how she does. You know, she, she's had it tough, you know, for quite a long time. I think The Shining really fucked her up, you know, and really just Stanley Kubrick's treatment of her was terrible. You know, it's inexcusable. Yes, well, yeah, well, you know, but yep. Yeah, it's just, you know, but, you know, she wants to get back in, let her back in. You know, hopefully this, this means good things for her and you know, her phone will be ringing and she can get back into acting. You know, so I'm looking forward to seeing it, you know, seeing that she's going to be in it. I'll be, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm not big on werewolf movies, but I'll watch that one. Um, but, all right, so moving on from Church of Wolf, do you have anything else, Dean? Uh, yes, I do, and I like werewolf movies. But, anyway, uh, with That's that being cool. said, uh, as, ooh. as ooh, uh, I had mentioned in our, in our group <laughs> chat that oh, wow. I had started... Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Uh, I, have, I had mentioned in our chat that I had started watching uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, uh, that mm-hmm. just hit Netflix recently, and uh, the the second episode uh, of the series is called uh, Graveyard Rats. Um, mm-hmm. And while uh, it is on Netflix in its full uh, color display, uh, the cinematographer Colin Holt uh, said that was not how. Uh, it was originally intended to be viewed, but if you go to the trailers and more section uh, of Cabinet of Curiosities, you will find the episode of the Graveyard Rats episode available to be viewed in glorious black and white, uh, as well as the standard color version in the regular episode menu guide. So, uh, you know, for those of you out there that like those kinds of things and those uh, different ways to view uh, something. Uh, you can see uh, Graveyard Rats in both color and black and white. And at this time, I still have just watched the first two episodes, but I certainly will be returning to the series. Okay, great. Yeah, something to check out if you like to do that black and white transfer. Um, all right, so what else do you have? Uh, that would be the final uh, destination. Ooh, that's a good movie, too. <laughs> All right. So tonight we are talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, 2013's Evil Dead, directed by Fetty Alvarez. So you know what to do, Monkey. Give us a plot synopsis, what you thought about it, and join us for this conversation. Yeah, here we are, folks. Evil Dead, but not the original film from 1981, or Evil Dead from 1987, or even Army of Darkness. Nope. In fact, we are covering the 2013 remake directed by Fetty Alvarez. This film is his reimagining of the original Evil Dead films. Remake! Yeah, this is the story of five young adults and their dog who have taken a trip to the family cabin. A cabin which happens to be in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because they are a bunch of fucking adults looking to party in the woods? No! (laughs) Again, remake. We are here to help them get through a very rough time, a time of detox from their heroin addiction. 
But little do they know that in their absence, the cabin has since become a den for ancient rites of evil. Rites written in blood in a forbidden book of the damned. A book that was once read aloud will awaken the evil dead. Okay, so, <laughs> you guys know I love the original trilogy of films, just like we all do. But I stayed away from this one for a long, 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 long time. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of remakes. And two, because when it was released, I was expecting a ton of CGI effects. So hell no. I wanted absolutely nothing to do with a bunch of CGI that I, in a watered-down remake of the film that we all love. Holy fuck was I wrong. <laughs> this film is a fun and twisted reimagining of the original films while still being extremely respectful to the original content and its creators. Like, it, it, this, it does a great job of saying what we've always said on the show is that Evil Dead does not need to be centered around Ash Williams. Uh, nope. There's been evil all over the world all through the ages. Evil can happen anywhere at any time. And this film does a great job of telling its very own story in the Evil Dead universe. And yeah, I'm so happy to be so fucking wrong with this pick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, uh, cool. What did you think about Evil Dead? I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of this movie. Um, you know, I've, I've watched the regular version of it. I've watched the unrated version of it. I actually own both versions of it. Um, not out of anything other than just uh, accident. Well, not accidentally, but uh, originally when, when released digitally, um, they gave you a two-pack, which gave you Don't Breathe and this film, uh, this film in the regular version. But then, of course, me being me, I was like, oh, well, I need unrated. I need more blood. I need more gore. I need to see the additional scene at the end. Um, all that crap. So, so I ended up spending, you know, double the money and buying the, uh, the, the, the unrated edition as well. But, yeah, I think that this is a – I think this is how you do a remake slash reimagining. You know, you can take something and, and, and pay complete homage – Towards everything that came before it, while still telling a, a poignant, relevant story to to today's time, using some of today's special effects, while still using practical as well, and 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 again, you know, like the the, the one thing that this movie I feel like omits from the two sequels of the Evil Dead, not the original Evil Dead, but Evil Dead two and three, is all of that murder mm-hmm. you. Um, and I yeah. don't think that's yeah. a bad thing at all. I love the fact that they took this and they were like, hey, you know what? This isn't Ash's Evil Dead. This is, you know, this is what the, the, the movie was originally about. You know, when we, we talked about the yeah. original Evil Dead. Yep. And it is such a horror movie, you know, and it is such a... It's a trying to be a scary film. It's trying to present a scary situation. The fact that Bruce Campbell just seems to have a natural humor about him that's what makes those movies go more towards comedy and that's what makes Raimi take it more towards comedy this that's not there and I love every fucking no. stinking so thank you monkey because any any time I get to watch this movie it's always a pleasure I agree with you there sir but yes uh, Dean this was your first time watching Evil Dead in 2013 what did you think about it 
this was my first time watching Evil Dead 2013. And um, as far as remakes go, uh, I I enjoyed the experience. Uh, it's not my favorite of the the horror remakes, but we don't need to get into that uh, discussion for the umpteenth time on the program. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. I wish I, like I, I wish I would have gotten called on uh, before the ghoul in this particular case because uh, you know when it comes to the original Evil Dead trilogy, I've seen Evil Dead two more more than the rest and. While I was watching this and like like into it, like I, I I I was like waiting for for like the fun, you know, like the funny stuff. And not to say that right. it isn't funny, but it doesn't have that kind of, especially from Evil Dead Two, this like this underlying like dark humor kind of slapstick comedy element, uh, like so thoroughly baked into it. And that's I was like I was kind of always kind of expecting it, you know, and I didn't know that this is something played more serious. I, honestly, I didn't really know much about it because in most cases, like I don't, I don't watch like all of the horror remakes unless it's something that gets picked up from the show. If we want to start listing off every single horror movie remake, I've seen very little of them. Uh, so, uh, so, but so I enjoyed the experience. I don't want to ramble on too much right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad this was on. I'm glad this was a pick because truly I do not think that, uh, I would have ever been like, oh, I'm going to watch the 2013 Evil Dead for fun right now. And uh, given my viewing of it, I will be looking forward to checking out the one that is coming up. I can't remember the release date. I know we've talked about it on the show, uh, but the, the next, next installment coming uh, that's coming soon, I believe, to, to HBO Max, if I, my memory serves. Uh, but I'll be Seems. Evil Dead Rise. It's, it's called Rise? Evil Dead Rise? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, be, I'll, be looking, I'll be looking forward to, to I'll be looking forward to checking it out. So yeah, um, and just to to say what everybody else has said, I mean, I I saw this movie in the theater and I just fucking loved every second of it. Uh, I've defended this movie so many times <clears throat> with other people. I've talked about it on the show before about how this is how you do a remake, right? But to me, this isn't really a remake; it's a rewatch. Like this isn't doing what Sam Raimi did back in the '80s with the original The Evil Dead. This is Fetty Alvarez taking that source material and completely making it his own, but also paying service to what came before with the Evil Dead series. <clears throat> Everything down from the Walking Glass pendant to the Delta 88 being all rotted and sitting back yeah, behind that the was house. A, that was a nice touch. Nice touch. Um, it was a great and, touch. Hey, I just, yeah. just want to – yes, lovely. And I just want to jump in real fast. Uh, this Evil Dead Rise was initially – going to be a digital HBO Max release, and then after some restructuring of things at Warner Brothers, they decided to release it theatrically. So it was originally going to be direct to HBO Max. Yeah. King, what were you saying about your thoughts? Um, so yeah, that's, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that Fetty Alvarez did complete uh, practical over CGI. I mean, there are some CGI touch-ups, but this was all practical. Like, everything that he did for this movie was practical. I love the book and its look. I don't need the face on it. I like the fact that it was all just kind of stitched together and it was in this bag, you know, with barbed wire and everybody did a great job, you know, in their performances. And I love the deadites and just how bloody and disgusting it really does get. Um, the posters promised the most terrifying movie experience you'll ever have. And it didn't terrify me, but it made me say, fuck yeah. Like this is how you do an evil dead movie without Ash and not disrespect what came before it, but actually honor it and do your own thing. So 
that's why, but yeah, again, like I cannot say enough good things about Evil Dead uh, 2013, but let's get into the narration as we do. And if you guys have anything that you want to jump in and say, feel free, but I'm going to take it off. I am going to jump in and say, and that's, and I think Go that's ahead. part of the thing that was, that was puzzling to me when I talked about it. Like I said, I knew nothing about it going in other than it was a remake of Evil Dead. So like, as we were getting to know the characters, like I didn't know if one of these characters was Ash. Like I didn't, I didn't know. Right. Um, like I just, I had no idea. That's why I said, like I didn't know that this was not going to have like to be a slapstick comedy. Like I, I just, I didn't know any of that stuff. And when you think mm-hmm. remake, you know, it's often that you know, like you might see a similar tone or uh, like reboot of the characters. So all of these things, like it was like an adjustment period. If that, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we open the movie with a teenage girl. She's bloodied and wandering around the woods, as one does. She's also being chased by hillbillies for having just a fun Saturday <laughs> afternoon playing tag. She's eventually captured and dragged down to a fruit cellar of the cabin. An old woman is reciting incantations from a book. Her father, Harold, shows up, and she pleads with him, I just want to go home. I just want to leave. Please take me home. And he tells her, baby, you can't because you killed your mom. Like, you killed her, and you're not going home. And then he reveals oh, that he shit. has gas that he begins to pour <laughs> on her. And that's when she reveals her dead-eyed side. I'll rip your soul in half. You know, and Harold lights a match and sets her on fire before grabbing the boomstick. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Bam! Kills her as we do this cold open. It's going to be a really weird family reunion moving forward for this guy. So where's your daughter and your mother and your wife? Well, crazy thing. Daughter got possessed. Wife's dead. Hey, did anybody bring potato salad? No? Okay. Well, I'll just see you over here. Um, well, I made it myself. It's interesting, too, because he's also rolling with, like, with the freaking uh, uh, the wrong turn crowd. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. really, for, for the opening the of this film, it's like, it's kind of bizarre. I really did... The first yep. time seeing this, I really had no idea where they were going. You know, I was like, okay, cool. yeah. Like, yeah, I assumed this was the cold opening, but I'm thinking to myself, yeah. wow, man, they are taking this into like some sticky woods. Like, what, t- you know, yep. what time are we in? Like, like, where are we going here? Um, but, but, yeah, they, uh, you know, it's funny in the Wikipedia, you know, it shows that I guess this is supposed to be in 2008. Um, and then okay. I guess the movie itself is supposed to take place in 2011. Uh, so, so I okay. guess there is a three-year gap. That's something I get when we were watching it, you know, even this time. We were kind of curious as to, uh, to where all of this stuff takes place in the, in the, in the timeline of everything. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we do cut uh, sometime later. Obviously, the ghoul just said it's a three-year jump. And we meet David Allen and his girlfriend, Natalie, as they arrive at the family cabin from the cold open. Once at the cabin, they are met by friends Eric, a school teacher, and Olivia, a nurse. David also reunites with his younger and estranged sister, Mia. The group Eric, is planning on staying Jesus. at the Allen family. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, the group is planning on staying at the Allen family cabin in order to help Mia overcome her addiction to heroin. Grandpa has also come along. No, not the relative, but a dog that we know is not going to last very long in an Evil Dead movie. So don't get too attached. So David gives Mia a looking glass necklace. Might come up later. It came up in Evil Dead, the original. Might come up here. So we'll see. Mia stands at a well with a group of friends and her brother and dumps all the heroin down inside because she is going cold turkey. And, yes, like we had said earlier, when he first meets Mia at the cabin, she is sitting on the remains of the Delta 88. So it's kind of like a cool thing. You can imagine that maybe Ash didn't survive. 
And he did die with his friends. And the Delta 88 just kind of left there. You know, the rock. No, but that's a, but that's, that's not a Delta 88. It's, it's, uh, a couple of years later. That's not actually a, uh, 88. It is a Delta, but not well, an 88. I, that's what my, I thought they were going with. I didn't, I know you're the fucking car guy. You would know. I just thought, oh, look, it's a Delta. But fine. Yes. Um, yes. So cool, cool nod, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. So David enters the cabin with the friends and his sister, and he discovers that the cabin's all messed up, and there's also a foul smell. And David suspects that uh, squatters have been making the place livable and just partying and hanging out. So he's like, we'll just make it livable again. We'll just make it back into the family home. So we find out that Mia stayed with her mom in a hospital while she was dying, while David had to go to Chicago and work at a garage. And gosh, I'm just super busy, you know. I got deep dish pizza here. I'm watching the Cubs. I can't come home, like, oh, you know. So you just take care of mom. Deep dish pizza. <laughs> you know, so it's not pizza. Olivia <laughs> speaks to David, and she tells him that they've done this type of rehab before with Mia, and it didn't work. The last time she lasted about eight hours, and she quit and just went back to doing what she does. Um, this time, it's personal. She needs to stay at the cabin until she's clean. Oh, and by the way, she also indeed almost died, dude. So, yeah, like, we're serious. Like, if she asks you to go home, you can't take her home. Like, we have to keep her no, here. No, she actually uh, did die. They had, they, they, they had to bring her yeah, back. They had, they had they to bring her back. She actually died. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah this, is her, this is her actual last chance to pull through. And they say yeah, yeah, she's going she's gonna to do anything and say anything to get out of here, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and later, and they so like say, this, this she's going to do anything, like say anything to get out. Like this, this yeah, kind of yeah. hits a little bit, little bit close to home, a little, little hard in a, in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like when, when you watch the movie, you're like, wow, like how, how didn't he know these things, you know, about his sister? Right. You know, you would think, oh, okay, they're, they're, they're obviously siblings, that kind of thing. You know, my uh, my one sister did actually as well multiple times, um, and you know the uh, the the last last time was uh, you know they ended up having to put like pacemakers in her in her heart, and uh, because it had actually gotten that bad, um, and then you know unfortunately two two I guess two years ago this this year she she did pass away due to uh, due to complications from all of that. Um, so, so the, the addiction angle all the way back in two thir- two, 2013, it's really – I'll give them a lot of credit for, for having the balls to not only approach it, but to approach it in like almost a meaningful and, and mature manner. You know, they, did, they didn't go over the top with it. They didn't try to, to make it any more than, than the ugliness that it can actually be, um, along with you know, without going over the top as well to the other end of her guilting him or him being overdramatic about feeling so guilty about these things. All of the beats feel very genuine in the way these characters are presented, both their weaknesses, their friendships, all, all of the things here. There's a lot of caring and, like, love that feels like it, it is a part of this. And, and I give all the credit in the world to the, to the screenwriters for that and to the cast for really doing a great job of performing this. 
they, they, like I said, they all did fantastic, and it felt believable. It felt like they all really did care about each other, but they're conflicted in a lot of ways. So that night, Mia's going through big-time withdrawals and obsesses over the foul smell of decay. None of the others can smell it, but Grandpa can, though, as he paws at a rug. And when they whip the rug, they reveal a whole lot of dried blood and the door leading into the fruit cellar. So now they can kind of smell it. Now I get it. Yeah, I get it. It fucking stinks. I don't know what it is. Could it be all the dead animals down there? We're going to find out. As David and Eric go down to investigate, they find a whole Damn, bunch of dead cats. Damn, they stink. As well as a worn boomstick, a shotgun, and a book called the Natorum de Monto. Roughly translated, as we know, boys, the Book of the Dead which is wrapped in both a black trash bag and barbed wire. In other words, don't fucking read it. Leave it alone. It drops <laughs> don't you read it. For don't a reason. open it. Don't open <laughs> yeah. it. You know, even the goo girl sitting here, he opens yep. the bag, he cuts it all open, and she's like, you know what? You know what? At the point that I see a book bound in human skin or just skin in general, I'm stopping there. You know, it's at that mm-hmm. point. Like you, know, like, you just kind of think, hey, you know what, maybe this is serious business. You know, it's, it's uh, maybe they were overreacting with the bag and the barbed wire and all that shit. No, you know what, when you open that fucking bag and you see a book covered in skin, it's, let's close that bag back up again. Yeah, you got another, you got another garbage bag we got? Okay, let's, let's, let's take that. Let's dig this little <laughs> hole somewhere and put it, put it back down in the ground for, but because we have white people, because we have white people in this horror movie, they have to read the book and they have to read aloud from the book because that's what white people always do in horror movies. <laughs> well, and that's why Olivia, who is the person of color in this movie, is like, throw that shit out. Stop fucking looking at it. Like, throw it in the trash. I don't care. But uh, the following day, it's raining, so it's good book reading weather. I mean, of course, you grab a book when you oh. get cozy. So Eric decides Dear to cut the bag and reels the <laughs> book. Like the goal had said, it's bound and stitched together human flesh and inked in human blood. He gets plenty of warning to not read the book, but he's inquisitive. He's got to find out what's going on. So he finds a paper cut happens, and he bleeds under the book. That's going to be fun because what do you do with an evil book? You bleed on it because that's going to you know, result in some fun times. <laughs> Um, so he decides the, that he's going to make a rubbing of an incantation. <laughs> Go ahead, Funky. Because the book, the book literally says, do not read this book. Someone scribbles yep. on it. Do not read this book. Yep. Do not read aloud from this book. <laughs> nope, don't do it. Don't, but what does he do? He does it. So he finds a passage. He grabs a piece of paper, and he makes a rubbing of an incantation on the page. And then he reads aloud. Kunda. Estrata. Someone always got to do Kunda. it. Got it. Got to do it. And, and, of course, just as he does that, now you fucking curse Mia. Because outside where Mia's been pacing, she finds a woman in the woods watching her. Looks a little bit like her, but we're not too sure yet. Mia decides, okay, get the fuck out of here. Like, there's a woman in the woods. I'm fucking withdrawing. So she's like, I need to go. They're all begging her to stay. But she's like, fuck it. Grabs Eric's car keys, and she's off. Racing down the road, crying, cursing to herself. But then this weird woman shows up in the middle of the woods, and she crashes into a tree. Manages to make a run through the woods, but she's chased by the force. The force that we've seen in all the Evil Dead movies, where it's soaring through the woods. Oh, I thought you meant the force and, from Star Wars. <laughs> no, not that force. Um, it's all so around the tree traps her. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> a demonic tree ends up trapping her. 
all of a sudden all the vines and everything like that, she's all strung up, and then we see a demonic version of Mia appear before her, vomits up a gnarled, thorny branch from her mouth that crawls up Mia's leg and goes all the way up until it violates her as she lets out a scream, and now she's possessed. Because that's how we know the dead eyes get you. You know, poor Cheryl, you know, Ash's sister got the same treatment. So she yeah, falls dude, the it's as like, well. When this was all leading up, again, this is my first time watching it, you know, I was like, okay, they, you know, she, we have the trees, you know, binding her up and stuff like that. I was like, are they going to go there? Are, are they going to fucking yep. go there? And they fucking go, you know, no pun intended, they fucking go harder than the original movie did. You know, original movie is like, oh, yeah. did they go Way there? Harder. Yeah, they kind of went there. Holy shit, yeah. do they go there with this scene? I was like, oh, oh fuck. Yeah. Damn. They make sure that they give you that little extra, you know, and of course. So uh, David and Olivia, they eventually find Mia, and they bring her back to the cabin. And Olivia's like, she's making no sense. She's talking about a woman in the woods, you know, but we have to keep her here. We have to get her clean. And then David talks to Mia, and she tells him that they need to leave. There was something in the woods, and now it's in the cabin with them. And he tells her, it's all in your head. Like, it's, it's the withdrawals. You just need to take a shower, and you'll feel better in the morning. And then we cut to Eric, who's busy reading the book for more details and trying to make sense of it. And Olivia's like, throw that shit out, dude. Like, I don't want to see that fucking book anymore. He's like, but babe, I was getting to the good part. No, there is no good part. <laughs> Shut the fucking thing and leave it alone. So David, he goes back down to the cellar and clears out all the dead cats that he finds. And then he walks outside to throw out the trash, and he discovers that Grandpa is underneath the pool shed, dying after being beaten to death with a hammer. Mia did it, by the way, and it's fucking rough when you see it. She's wham, 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 and she's screaming the entire time. Like, wow, this fucking poor dog, you know, you just, you know, got X'd out. Like I said, don't get used to that dog because it's done. So Mia decides she's going to take, like, the hottest shower ever. It's so hot that it causes her skin to bubble. So when David tries to break down the shower door to find out about what happened to Grandpa, they discover Mia sitting on the floor of the shower all boiled up and bubbling so David decides to put her in his Jeep and drive to a hospital as she pukes all over herself. But as he steps out of the Jeep, he discovers that the road has been completely washed out. And as he goes to check it, he sees Mia sitting in the passenger seat, seemingly smiling at him. Like, you're fucked, bro. You know, the dead eyes are coming, so <laughs> go back to that fucking cabin. So later that night, they're all discussing what happened and, and what could possibly be going on with Mia. What are they going to do? Well, Mia decides to waste no time by appearing to the group holding the boomstick shotgun, completely possessed. She ends up shooting David in the shoulder, which causes the force to burst through the cabin door as she screams. And we can also hear Cheryl from the original Evil Dead. One by one, we will take you. And then Mia very calmly tells him, they're all going to die. Before she grabs onto Olivia and then pukes a fuck ton of blood red bile onto her face. Just a fountain of blood bile into <laughs> Olivia's face. It's probably and the like, closest what the humor fu- that they get. It really yeah. it's so, like, it's so absurd. Like, she is just straight up on her, and it's like, yeah, take this. And it's playing Olivia. Man, I know from the movie The, uh, the Covenant. Uh, where it gets no, yeah. So, mm-hmm. A few years prior to this, so she was a little bit younger in it, but man, I gotta give her a lot of credit for taking this one. And and they make it all chunky too and stuff, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> uh, yep. it's like oh. <laughs> so yeah, so they end up kicking uh, Mia down into the fruit cellar, 
you know, uh, they managed to get it locked up. So we have Eric standing on top of it, much like Scotty did in the original Evil Dead, to kind of keep Mia down in the food cellar. Olivia is sent to the bathroom where she needs to get tranquilizers. Eric's like, dude, tranquilizers are not going to work. She's fucking evil. Like, the book said everything about this. Uh, we're fucked. Like, it's not going to work. So he's like, whatever, go get it anyway. So Olivia goes into the bathroom, washes her face off, and then she sees a demonic reflection in the mirror of herself. And the book automatically flips to a page showing someone cutting their face off. So Olivia tries to leave the bathroom, but the force holds her in place, causing her joints to creak and crack as she urinates on herself. Like, straight up just pisses herself. And it's like, that's the, I, I love that. Like, when that happens in movies, I'm like, that's a natural reaction. Like, you probably would piss your fucking pants if something happened like that. And so taking advantage of that at that moment, I loved it. Like, I was like, this is so weird. Hearing those bones crack and her neck move back and forth as the force kind of takes hold of her. So Eric decides to go in search of her, and he finds her sitting on the floor of the bathroom in the process of cutting the fuck out of her mouth. And she reacts oh, to him showing up dude. by stabbing him with a shard of glass <laughs> from the mirror and then violently fucking stabbing him with a hypo needle, which causes his glass to shatter. The needle goes into his face. He's screaming the entire time. And when he finally manages to get her away from him, he pulls the needle out from his face. And I love that little angle showing the needle coming out. Oh, dude. And, <laughs> you know, the way the and Eric realizes told... that. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> No, I was just saying, just that, man. It was just, all, all of it was just, oh, it was just so pretty. <laughs> so Eric, at this point, like, he's in survival mode. Like, he realizes he has no other choice, so he grabs the lid of the toilet and then bashes the shit out of her head, you know, just leaving nothing but mush behind. And I love it when David runs in. He's like, I had no choice. He was trying to kill me. And then he just goes, ah, 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 just starts screaming over and over again. I was like, yeah, that's a natural reaction. Like, I love this. Like, I'm, you know, you would. Absolutely. You would just be like, wow, just you know it. what? Like, I would say, like, if I was to have any complaint about this movie, it would be they were very quick to push right up ahead into all of this being supernatural and yeah. us not getting enough time of them wondering, is Mia just really going through withdrawals? And is this just how bad it is? Did, you know, did mm-hmm. Eric have a mental breakdown from all of this? Like, I, they could have taken some time to build that and really make the, the people within the cabin start questioning and being, being suspicious of each other before really establishing Ooh. the fact that, like, holy shit, there is, like, something really bad going on here. Yeah. It could have been anything. I just love the fact that they kind of explore that way with the evil and how it works. <clears throat> um, so Natalie enters the kitchen to get some sugar water for Eric because he's being patched up by David, but instead gets lured into the cellar by dead-eyed Mia, who acts like the normal Mia. You know, just come on down here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. It's fine. Classic dead-eyed move. Rookie mistake, Natalie. Don't go fucking <laughs> down there. Just stay above the ground. But, of course, she goes into the cellar, quickly realizes it's a trick. She tries to escape, but she's dragged back down by Deadhead Mia. She wakes up a short time later on the stairs with Mia crawling on top of her and licking her leg. So Natalie brandishes a box cutter. Come at me, motherfucker. Come at me. Yeah, Mia has no problem with that and immediately bites her on the hand and then shows her a neat trick where she can use a box cutter to cut her tongue in half right down the middle. Oh, man. Right before they have a kid. Oh. Ah, 
man, shot was and just he, so slow and nasty and wicked. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then she she does that. You have blood coming out of her mouth. She goes, kiss me, you cunt. And I was like, whoa, okay. And then they kiss. And that's when David shows up. He's like, you're leaving me for my sister? The fuck, Natalie? She's like, no, save me. I'm not doing it. No. She came on to me. I'm totally leaving you. Have you seen her tongue? Holy shit. She can't do something <laughs> yeah. you can't do. <laughs> it could go north and south, unlike David Gordon Green. <laughs> so, um, David eventually finds her and then saves her. He nails the, the cellar door shut, and he puts chains around it so that Mia can't get out. And then meanwhile, Eric is sitting in another room trying to burn the book, but it just doesn't want to burn. So that's when he explains to David that it uses an ancient language. It refers to an entity known as the taker of souls, a demon. Once it feeds on the five souls, the sky will turn blood red, and the abomination will rise from hell. And that's when Natalie decides, I should probably check in my hand. Like, it's been a minute. So she unwraps the bandage, <laughs> and then she starts pushing black shit out of her hand, which is the evil. And that's when... Alice, when Eric explains that the evil is attached to Mia, and then if he wants to help her, that'll have to kill her. You know, David's like, I'm not really chill with your plan of killing my sister. Like, I kind of love her. And he's like, well, fuck your sister. She's evil. Got to take her now. Like, All right, fine. Let me think oh, about it. Oh, and we know that so. evil dies tonight. Thank you, David. So in one of my favorite scenes in the movie, Natalie's hand goes bad, just like Ash in Evil Dead 2. And she pulls an Ash. By not just cutting off her hand, uh, she amputates her entire fucking arm using an electric knife to avoid becoming a dead Look at me, I'm the face. Man. <laughs> so David <laughs> and Eric discover her in the kitchen, and she's cutting her arm off. You know, like, David's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And he tries to tape up her arm, the nub. He's like, everything's going to be fine. And Eric goes, she just cut her fucking arm off. Would you call that fine? And that's when Eric tells David that Mia must be purified. A live burial, bodily dismemberment, and a purification by fire. David still isn't sure about the plan. And while Eric isn't even sure if it works, it needs to fucking be done. Like, she's evil, she's gone. We need to destroy her if we want to live. And that's when we discover that Natalie disappeared to become full-on deadite. And look, she's got a nail gun. I wonder what she's going to do with that. Now she's just going to fire a bunch of fucking nails at Eric and David. You know, putting them down, nailing them in the arms and the chest and the legs. And she also gave her some fun nail wounds to her own head. So she shot herself in the head with a nail gun. Just to yeah. kind of pretty. She wanted to be the next thing there. Yeah. 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 Out for her, Not, a quick little Night of the Living Dead cover book there. <laughs> so Natalie, for some reason, really has it out for Eric, and he's the one that gets really nailed. Am I right? See what I did there? He gets nailed. Oh, <laughs> so David, David manages to pull a nail from his leg and sees that Natalie disappeared once again. But really, she just wanted to make sure that she had a fire poker, which she then beats David the fuck out of with, just slamming him in the back over and over again, just hammering him down. And while he's momentarily subdued, she goes after Eric and butts his hands with the poker. Before she could beat him to death finally, ends his life, David shoots her remaining arm off. Bam, it's on the ground. And then she slowly turns around, becoming her normal self. Why does my head hurt? Why does everything hurt? I'm cold. And she's dead. Run towards the light. So that's you what know, happened, though. Is she, like, got back to normal, and she just fucking bled out and died um, after all this and her, Yeah. <laughs> her body drops to the floor. 
they have that moment, and all of a sudden you just hear Eric going, <laughs> and I was like, I would have the same reaction too. Like my mind would be fucking broken. If I just witnessed yep. all that, I would have no other choice but to fucking laugh. Because it's like your mind's gone at that point. <laughs> you are just fucking just broken. You've just seen all this shit transpire. Like you have no other choice but to laugh. So David drags Eric outside and then returns back into the cabin to douse it in gasoline. Mia begins to sing a song from when they were kids, which leads David to opt for burying her instead. And then also, he's a mechanic, but I don't know if you're a mechanic, you would know how to make a fucking defibrillator with a car battery and fucking syringes and shit. But man, does he fucking go to work. Like, that's like a fucking cool shit. (laughs) Fucking A-team shit. (laughs) Like fucking MacGyver over here. (laughs) You know, he manages to, to, to get it all, you know, together, and then when he has it, he goes outside to dig a grave, as you do. You know, because he's like, this is where I'm going to bury her. It's in a nice location. I'll even build a cross, because Ash is always good at building those. Whenever he killed somebody he loved, he always had a cross ready, even if they were Jewish. They were Jewish. Like Ash was evil dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoops. So David goes back inside to retrieve Mia, and she appears, slicing, slicing the shit out of his arms with a box cutter, and then attempts to drown him. But not before Eric can intervene, who is fatally stabbed in the process. So as Eric succumbs to his injuries, David sedates Mia and buries her in the grave that he dug. But not before putting her in a little nice red dress and putting a plastic bag over her head. I was like, what is this changing sequence? Like, he's got to put her in this nice burial yeah. dress. I was like, that's sweet. Like, he, he, buried her, you know, he buried her in a nice little dress, even though his plan is to bring her back. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it's just uh, was it during the dress or was it during the prepping of the, the um, needles that we had the quick, quick little prep homage? Oh yeah, that was a rainy homage. You know, the the quick uh-huh. drop battery, grab the needles, tape it together, put the wires in. Like that was totally a, a rainy homage, and I was there for it. I loved it because um, he has a plan of bringing her back, and, and we'll see if it works. Uh, so he puts her in the red dress, and then he starts to bury her with the clear plastic bag over her head. And then Mia, as a deadite, tries to trick him once again. Like, you know, why did you leave? Why did you go away? Like, why are you doing this? And he's like, that's not you. That's not you. And she's like, but it is me. You're killing me. Like, yeah. But luckily, David's not keen to the tricks, and he's just going to keep on fucking going. And then I just I love the shot of the dirt just going over her face in that plastic bag. Just like over and over again. And knowing this is all practical. Like, so, hey, you got something on your face there. Literally in the fucking ground with a bag over her head, being buried alive. <laughs> so hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, to, to see it. So, uh, again, like I said, Mia tries to trick him, but he hasn't been fooled. He finally finishes burying her, and then you can hear her heart beating. And he just apologizes for not being there. And then we slowly start to hear the heartbeat fade away, so he knows that she's dead. He digs her back up and tries to bring her back with the makeshift defibrillator, but it doesn't work. So he eventually just understands that she's dead, and he covers her back up and says that she's at peace finally. Like, no more addiction, no more pain, and you can just rest in peace. So David returns to the cabin, and then all of a sudden, he hears Mia's voice. And he turns around, and she's like, oh, hey. And he's like, hey, you want to get out of here? She's like, kind of. I'm kind of not having a chill day, so <laughs> let's just get the fuck out of here. So... I just need to go grab my car keys, and then we are gone, sister. But unfortunately, Dead-Eyed Eric shows up to spoil the getaway and fatally stabs David in the neck. And then he decides, there's nothing I can do. I have to protect my little sister. And then he fools her by locking her out of the cabin and shooting the can of gasoline 
killing both him and Eric in a fiery blaze. So now the cabin is completely engulfed in flames. Brother's gone. Mia's left by herself. Like, okay, so roll credits. Like, we're good. Like, you know, she's fine now. Um, you can go home. No, we can't. Because like a fucking Slayer video, the rain becomes blood. And all of a sudden, you just hear the heavy metal cord. Like, you know, it doesn't happen. But, you know, it just fucking starts raining blood. And that's when Mia is attacked by the earlier mentioned abomination. And it's in the form of her demonic self. So Mia is trying to run away from the abomination, trying not to get killed. She eventually runs into the tool shed and finds a chainsaw, which she uses to fight back crawling underneath David's Jeep and cutting off the abomination's legs. Do you but think what does the abomination do in return? Sorry, I'm sorry. Just Grandpa? Quick here because, you know, go, do you think they counted Grandpa as one of the That's sacrifices? It's, I mean, the what only other thing that would make sense would be the girl at the very beginning, but if that was three years earlier, does that yeah. feel like any, I, what, what is the, Wouldn't count. the time frame, well, I guess? They, but, I mean, well, they, they screwed up. Okay, because in the extended cut of this movie, mm-hmm. when you um, when Eric was in there, and I mean, uh, when the brother was in there, and he shoots the cannon, sets the house on fire. Right before yeah. you know the, the flames are engulfing the house and shit like that, and right before he dies, he becomes a deadite. Okay. Oh shit! Okay, and yeah, and that's and that's something they missed. So so eye. therefore, Absolutely. that makes the five. So well, yeah, that no, was supposed to be the number five, but that got cut. Well, no, but that's how does that make that number five? It wouldn't. Yeah, you that's had, on a soul. You had Jedi. Natalie, Olivia, Eric, and then David as the four sacrifices. Mia isn't dead. I mean, I guess no. she... Okay, so I mean, you could... She did die. No, she died and came, stopped, she died and so came she back. She died, but she came back. So, so maybe they can count that as the fifth. Yeah, I, I guess there's, yeah. there's a couple yeah. different ways you could play around with it. It is a little yeah, bit, because that, that's that the way I thought point. about it. The, the brother was supposed to be the last, the last one stealing it, which is why now, now that he's dead in the flames and shit like that, the evil form is now able to rise from the earth is because she's got her five deaths. And yeah, it's now it's time... And, and it's- yeah. And his face isn't funny. Oh, no, he's, it doesn't look like a fish. Like he, he's perfectly fine. <laughs> the abomination is great in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and also, and when, we get to the ready, yeah. when we get to the ready yeah, blood part, it's just, uh, I was like, oh, you know, because I was like, expecting it to end. And then this is when the director's like, you know, because you know, I was expecting the movie to end here. But, it, you know, he's like, nope. We said this movie's called Evil Dead. Now we're fucking going Evil Dead territory. Fucking rain and blood. Gonna sit there and have, have a fucking chainsaw fight. This is for you fans who know what the fuck you came for. We're gonna fucking give it to you. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, seeing that guy like fucking chainsaw. Just and, like X, X gonna <laughs> give it to you. <laughs> and Ty West X did give it to me. And I love that movie, but that's where I'll talking about. DMX is, uh, X couldn't give it to you. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say is if you notice, the, the first initials of their first name spells out demon when you think about it. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. David, Erica, Mia, Olivia, Natalie spells demon. Very uh, slick. Choice, guys. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, um, so we have a fight between Mia and the Abomination. Like I had said, she managed to grab a chainsaw and manages to crawl underneath David's Jeep 
And when the abomination goes to attack, she cuts off the abomination's legs. So in return, abomination overturns David's Jeep, which lands right on Mia's left arm, trapping her. So she's trapped. She's going to become a victim. But Mia, the ultimate fucking badass of this movie in all time, decides, I'm not dying here on this hill. And she wrestles her hand out, and it becomes detached from her wrist. So she essentially loses her hand underneath the Jeep because she is so fucking ready to kill this abomination that she doesn't care that she lost her hand. She just needs to kill the abomination. So that being done, she's freed. Mia grabs a chainsaw and then bisects the fuck out of the abomination's body, right down the middle of the chainsaw, screaming as the blood's hitting her face. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is great. <laughs> like just seeing that head just gets yeah. completely bisected, and all of a sudden she goes right down the body, like oh fuck, it's <laughs> raining blood. And she's getting like yeah, yeah, because yeah, she takes that stub of her arm, sh- shoves it into the handle of the chainsaw, and it just goes mm-hmm. full on Ash Williams on that motherfucker, just yelling at it the entire time, man, man, making that thing her bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and this goes all the way down, and once it's bisected you start to see it sink back into the ground and then disappear as the blood rain stops. And then she also just being exhausted and just fucking we're weary. Her brother's gone. The friends are gone and she has nothing left to do except fucking leave and go in search of help. And then we cut back to the notorium DeMonto laying on the ground, covered in blood, remaining intact and then slamming itself shut. Evil dead. Get that stinger at the end. I love it when you do that. They give it the title at the very end of the fucking movie. I'm like, all about that. <laughs> you know, it makes you wait for it. Um, but so that's the end of Evil Dead. But if you stay until the end credits, you know, Monkey, this is your pick, so I'll let you have it. Uh, did you see the end credit sequence? Yes, well, I did. Watching unrated, we got two. <laughs> so what did you see, Monkey? Oh. <laughs> you just see a silhouette. And then a man slowly turns and looks to you, breaking the fourth wall, and just goes, Ruby. And it's oh, fucking Bruce Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the unrated. I've only seen bits and pieces. I haven't seen the whole thing. So what was different about the unrated? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, you get additional gore sequences. You get additional gore sequences in the uh, in the unrated. Some of the shit is yeah. longer. Yeah. Some of the shit's a little bloodier, mm-hmm. a little more violent. But yes, the the big stinger at the end of the the unrated version is Mia stumbles out onto a roadway and gets picked up by mm-hmm. a car. And as they drive off, the camera cuts in close to her face. Her eyes open up. Now they're not dead-eyed eyes. But she does get a bit of, like, an evil-looking grin. So it leaves you to wonder, is Mia still under the influence of the evil dead? Well, she did come back to life, so it's possible, you know, that she is still under the influence. And there was another uh, ending that was written, but I don't think they ever shot it because I've never seen any footage. But Mia, once again, on the road, it's now dawn, and she's walking, cradling her, you know, gone hand now, trying to find help. And what shows up in an S-Mart truck with Ash behind the wheel? And he leans out the window. Oh. He's like, are you okay? Do you need any help? Smart. And she leans into the window, and she sees him, and he's like, do you need any help? And all of a sudden, she becomes dead-eyed for him, and he grabs a boomstick. And he just goes, let's go. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool. 
to end it that way. Because I know that there was plans to do more Evil Dead movies featuring Mia, including having one where she teams up with Ash. You know, she's still kind of under the influence of Deadite, perhaps, but they had like a little team-up thing. But I kind of like that they never did that. Because instead we got Ash versus Evil Dead, and we have this universe that I wish they would return to. Like, I would love to see another Mia Evil Dead. Because she was perfect in the role, and I just want more stories with her. You know, is she still under the influence? Is she not? Is she going to be like Ash, where she's just going to be kicking dead out ass? Would love to see a return to that. Yeah. And, but like you were saying, though, with Bruce Campbell, though, it was weird because, like, I had read about this movie that, <clears throat> while, you know, Sam Raimi was on board for the, uh, you know, redo here, Bruce Campbell wasn't all that nuts about it, man, you know. Because he, he was really worried that they were going to try and redo the Ash character without him. They were going to try and, you know, rewrite a new Ash. And, you know, that's why Fetty Alvarez had to be like, no, we're not doing an Ash character in this movie. We're, you know, we're not redoing Ash in any way, shape, or form. So that's why he was eventually okay with this remake. Yeah, because there wasn't going to be another Ash. And that's the whole thing that he cared about, which is true. Because a couple, I don't want to say a couple years, this was like many, many years ago when they first talked about an Evil Dead remake and they were just tossing around ideas, you know, doing a straight remake where Ash was going to be in it, but it wasn't going to be Bruce Campbell. They were talking about Sean William Scott playing Ash, and I was like, please don't make, ever make that movie. Like, I don't ever want to see a movie where Sean William Scott, as much as I appreciate him as Stifler, he is not Ash. So I'm kind of glad oh, that God, they just no. decided to drop that idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell no. <laughs> I could not imagine him playing Ash. I just, I couldn't in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of people were just upset about it. <clears throat> and this was like maybe early 2000s. So it never came to be. They decided to scrap that idea as much as they wanted to do it. And they ended up delivering this. And what's funny is that I was looking at the trivia for this movie earlier and that Diablo Cody actually did some rewrites on the script to perk up the dialogue between the, the friends because Fetty Alvarez's first uh, language is in English. So yeah, he didn't really know how to write for... the English translation, yeah. Yeah, it just, it, he couldn't do it, so they brought in uh, uh, Diablo Cody to do the rewrites. And I was kind of surprised because Diablo Cody, she has a particular way of talking, as we've seen in Jennifer's Body and Juno. So, yeah, it was weird. Um, but, yeah, that's going to do it uh, for Evil Dead. Uh, 2013. Next week, uh, I believe it's your pick, uh, Gould. Indeed. You know, I'm, uh, I, I was torn as to, to what direction I was going to go. Um, you know, being that we're kind of like at that point, Halloween is over, and, uh, you know, I, Halloween I know is over. <laughs> ah, well, it is officially <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, you know, next, <laughs> next week, next Tuesday is, is election day in this in this country um you know but but my other my other option does tie into the holiday season in a weird sort of way but i think i'm going to save that one for 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 december and instead next week i'm going to do what the monkey loves that i that i love to do at times to him which is to skip ahead and jump to different sequels of movies. So you know what? We're going to have a little bit of fun next, next week. And in honor of Election Day, we're going to go with 2016's The Purge Election Year, the third film in oh. the Purge <laughs> franchise. So 
Why, really good why movie. bother with the second one, right? Right, Monkey? Why yes, bother with is. the second one? Let's just go yeah. right to the third one. Well, that's the thing about the Purge movies. You don't have to go in order. Like, the Purge movies are kind of like their own stories. So it's kind of like an anthology uh, series of movies. So it's kind of cool to do whatever one you want. Like, you could Have easily do any now? of them. Yes, you're being hurt. So, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so, so, yes, I, with, I love with the, the Purge movies. With the Purge Part 3 being selected, maybe this will start a theme, and I will look for a random Part 3 of a film franchise for, for my next pick. Well, what, like Leonard Part 6? <laughs> well, it's going to be difficult, because like I said, the Purge movies are kind of separate entities. Like, they, they share a universe, but they're different stories. And that's why I kind of always like the Purge movies, because they're just different stories set in the same universe. So you can easily do election year and never have seen the first two. You just go into it, and they just give you everything you need to know in the movie. Oh, well, we're going Purge night. Everybody walk down. Okay, now it's going to start. Like, so that's kind of why I love these movies. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'll also just send you guys a uh, picture of my red MAGA hat that I got from the film company when the first Purge came out. Because they were giving out free hats. It says the first purge on it, and then it gives a date on the back. But it looks like a mega hat. And I was like, I can never wear this in public, but it's like a fucking great piece <laughs> to add to my collection from that movie. Because the first purge was great. And I love the fact that I have that hat. Never going to wear it in public. <laughs> Just a nice piece of, of why would Why would you not wear it in public, King of Horror? Well, because I live in Pennsylvania, and they're going to think I'm part of them. I don't want to be a part of your group. <laughs> That's fucking weird. <laughs> no, it just, it, it's on display you know, in my closet. I shouldn't say it's on display, but it's in my closet. I'll send you a picture of the first Purge MAGA hat. Um, and it was given away for free. So free is for me, as I always say. So I'm looking forward to the Purge election year and be talking about it. Uh, so that's going to be fun. So that's going to do it here, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And Dean, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you back here next week for the Ghoul's Pick. Yay. Uh, so I will I'm be excited. looking forward excited to the old uh, the Purge 3, because I have never seen it before. So uh, so here we there go, you Purge go. time. Purge, and I love it. All right, so let's get into it. All right, Monkey, thank you so much for your pick this evening of Evil Dead, and we'll see you back here next week. Remember, folks, just because it's no longer Halloween doesn't mean you have to stop being spooky. Be true to your goal, folks. Good night, everybody. Oh. <laughs> All right. And ghoul, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Did you say be true to your ghoul? He did, because he loves yeah. you. Yeah. Aw. That's sweet. <laughs> so sweet. I said be true to your ghoul. I didn't say be true to our ghoul. <laughs> well, we only have one ghoul. He's right here. Be true to you, then, monkey. <laughs> As always, everybody, stay scared. <laughs> And as for me, your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, as I always say, hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous, keep America strong, keep watching horror movies, and like the monkey had said, Halloween might be over, but for us, it's all year round, baby. We just stay spooky all year round. There's only just yeah! 363 days left until Halloween 2023, so stay tuned for that. But as always, we'll see you back here next week. Enjoy yourselves, stay spooky, and stay true to the ghoul. Mwah. Groovy.